Hello, everyone. Hazel Fields is going to introduce us. here. Can everybody hear? Hello, people. Can't hear me yet? <laughs> Hello. My name is Hazel Fields. I am a member of... Can't hear me? My name is Hazel Fields. I am a member of the American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys, AVIA for short, and you're moving away, sorry. I want to welcome you to the ACB Moot Court trial presentation. Okay, this will be an enactment of a trial in which a blind guide dog user um, is suing the uh, rideshare company because she was denied transportation. The issue to be decided is whether the guide dog user's rights were violated under the Americans with Disabilities Act. At the end of the trial, you, the audience, acting as the jury, will be asked to render a verdict. Okay. Um, our bailiff will be Tamara Lomax. I think I pronounced that right. Um, they can't hear? You move away. Let's see, right there. Tamara Lomax, member of ACB students. The, um, the plaintiff guide dog handler uh, will be, uh, yeah, my braille got mashed. Bre <laughs> Becky Davidson. Uh, from the Guide Dog Users Incorporated. Um, she will be represented by um, Charles uh, Navarrete, is a member of Avia. The defendant rideshare company owner will be uh, Chris Prentice. Member, member of Avia. His attorney will be Ellen Telker, member of Avia. The presiding judge will be um, will be played by Steve Mendelson. Avia member. And now we present the case of the guide dog handler versus the rideshare company. Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, you, I am the presiding judge in this case. You have been sworn as the jury. At the end of the case, you will be called upon to deliberate and render your verdict. 
the district court for the district of ACB, thanks you for your service. <laughs> we want to remind you of, of two things before the testimony begins. Number one, although we understand that many of you will have strong emotional reactions to this case, <laughs> we know that you will decide the case based upon the evidence as you hear it and based upon the law as I explained it to you at the close of the evidence. Uh, we also want you to understand that only what the witnesses say is evidence. What the attorneys say is not evidence. Uh, it is an attempt, obviously, to frame the evidence, and it's worth taking seriously, but it is not evidence in itself. With that in mind, without further ado, I give you counsel for the plaintiff, Mr. Charles Navarrete. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, my witness is Becky Davidson. Um, she, she can be sworn. We'll take her testimony. Do you solemnly swear and affirm that the testimony you share here today in this court is the truth and nothing but the truth? I do. All right, Ms. Davidson, um, please state your name. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, wait, we have, two, we, have two, we have dueling mics up here. Uh, <laughs> Becky Davidson. And um, what's the name of your guide dog? Lawson. And how long have you had Lawson? I've had Lawson for five years. Okay. And um, you use him, what, what do you use uh, the guide dog for? I use the guide dog to help me travel safely and independently from place to place, um, whether it's for my work or entertainment or errands or anything that requires me to be out and about. And um, did you have occasion to call... Uh, the rideshare company? Yes, I did. When was that? Let's see. It was about four months ago now, March, I believe. And why did you call that company? I work for a congresswoman, and I had been invited to attend a meeting that was in a building that was not within walking distance of where I actually work. So I needed to call the ride-sharing company to get a ride over there. And what were you told when you called the company? They, we went through the app that I have on my phone, and I was told that the driver would arrive. Okay, and um, so what did you do at that point? I went outside, and I had my assistant with me so that we would be sure that we identified the correct vehicle that was to pick me up, and we waited for the car to arrive. And you use a guide dog and an assistant for what reason? I needed this sighted assistant particularly to help me identify the car. You have a visual impairment. I am. Yes, I am totally blind. Okay. So did the uh, car from the ride-sharing company arrive at some point? The car did arrive. And what happened then? What happened was when the car, when the driver saw my do guide dog, he told me that he had another passenger in the car that was very allergic to dogs, and so he could not take me. Did you, was there any further discussion? My assistant and I both explained to him that under the Americans with Disabilities Act, I had every right to, to receive that ride from him. Okay. He balked at that, um, and the discussion continued for some time. We did not know until he pulled up and told us that there was another passenger in that car. Did your assistant see the other passenger? Not immediately, no. But eventually she yes. did? Yes. Okay. Um, so then what happened at that point? At that point, 
I was already going to be late for the appointment for the meeting that I was scheduled to attend, so my assistant, my assistant drove me over in her own car. Um, and so you did make the meeting. Did I did make the meeting, but I was a few minutes late, and that's very disturbing when you're an intern and you're trying to make an impression. And did the incident with the ride-sharing company driver have an effect on you? It absolutely did. It's very humiliating to be told you cannot receive a service that you know you're fully entitled to. And even though on an intellectual level you realize that it's really not personal, it feels very personal. And besides feeling humiliated, was there any other effect upon you? Well, other than being late for the meeting and obviously being very concerned that this was going to affect my continued employment or at the very least disappoint my boss, the congresswoman, um, it was just very disturbing and it was took me a long time to get past it. When you say a long time, what do you mean? I would say several weeks. And uh, when you say get past it, what do you mean? Just to get to the point where I didn't feel upset or depressed every time I thought about it happening. And also, I was very, very worried about ever using the services of that ride-sharing company again. Have you used the services of other ride-sharing companies? I have not. Okay. Uh, but you are familiar with the uh, provisions of the Americans with Disabilities Act? Yes, I am. And is that part of the training you received when you uh, received your guide dog? Yes, it was. And what were you, what were you told about... Um, ride-sharing companies at that time? Well, ride-sharing companies at that Objection, time were... that's hearsay. <laughs> well, how did you understand... Well, based on your training at the guide dog school, what was your understanding of the requirements of the ADA? That I had would have access to any public transportation while accompanied by my guide dog. Um... I have no further questions, Your Honor. I think Ellen needs that to cross examine. Yes. We will now ask counsel for the defense, Ellen Telker, to cross examine plaintiff. Now, uh, Ms. Davidson, other than um, being late, were there any other uh, negative consequences to you of this uh, occurrence? I think being late was consequence enough. Right. Did, uh, but you didn't, you didn't lose your position. I did not lose my position, no. Um, and uh, when you say you know, it had an effect on you, did you seek any kind of medical treatment or anything like that? I did not seek medical treatment, but I did seek support from my, uh, my consumer base, my guide dog users group. Does the website say anything about, you know, that they comply with the ADA or anything like that of the ride-sharing company? The website is actually pretty vague about that. It just says it is in compliance with all laws. Um, and uh, do you... Um, Um, did, so, uh, did, did, did the, does the ride-sharing company have any kind of procedure if someone isn't satisfied with their service? They indicate they do, and I did report on the app on my phone that this had happened, but I never had a response from them. 
have nothing further. Although it varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, in the district of the ACB, the court has the opportunity to direct questions to the witnesses if the court deems it appropriate to do so. Therefore, I would like to ask plaintiff, plaintiff, you stated that the driver told you that the uh, onboard passenger uh, was allergic uh, or so for some other reason uh, objected to the uh, passage of your service animal. Did you talk directly at any time to the other passenger? No, I did not. The, the passenger never spoke at all. Thank you. No further questions. I have no further questions. Does the plaintiff rest? Yes, we do. All right. We now turn to the defense case, and we call upon uh, counsel for the defense, Ellen Telker, to call her first witness, ride-sharing company owner, Chris Prentice. Good job. <laughs> Chris Prentice, do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you give in this court shall be the truth and nothing but the truth? I do. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Mr. Prentice, uh, what, what is your occupation? I own myself a ride-sharing company. <laughs> and how long have you owned the company? Apparently, not long enough. <laughs> I think it's about uh, I think it's about three years. Uh huh. And um, when you started the business, did you uh, receive any assistance in doing that? Oh, absolutely. I got a good friend that's a lawyer, and he knows everything. And what did uh, this attorney do for you? Well, he he uh, he put together my uh, my paperwork so I could uh, file as a company and not be just an individual. And uh, he uh, said, you know, you need to make sure that those drivers are all uh, independent contractors, so you don't have to give them benefits or nothing. You know, just you know, let them work. And uh, and uh, he he said, you know, we're going to run this thing. We're going to run tight ship so you can make lots of money. And so. Did uh, did he draw up a contract for the drivers to sign? Absolutely, and it, it's it's really it's a pretty contract. I really like it. <laughs> and and can you briefly uh, tell the court what the provisions of the contract were? Ooh, uh, you know I'm not <laughs> not much in that legal stuff, but uh, uh, basically what what it says is that the drivers agree to. Uh, to follow the rules and to follow the law and to to be courteous to uh, to the passengers and to uh, uh, make sure that uh, I get my share of the money and uh, and that they understand that they're an independent contractor and they're not an employee of Rideshare Company, Ltd. And that um, and that uh, they're they're uh, they're supposed to uh, they're supposed to be nice and give people rides. And you provide any kind of training to the drivers. Well, they already know how to drive, or they wouldn't be signing the contract. Oh, you mean, uh, oh, for my company? Well, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and talk to them for a few minutes after they, uh, uh, after they sign the contract and make sure that they understand everything. And, and I tell them, that you, you do know what all the laws are, and they, they always say yes. So I figure that's good enough. <laughs> and um, do you... Uh, now, oh, now, does the, 
contract say anything about discrimination? Well, there is a provision in there that says you can't you can't discriminate against anybody for any reason. Okay, but uh, does it provide a definition of discrimination? If they don't know what that word means, they shouldn't be driving for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, and now just for a little, um, do you provide anything uh, to your drivers? Oh well, the, well the, we've got a we've got a computer system. You know, I've, I do have an employee that's a that's kind of my dispatcher, and and she's got a computer, and so they they have to access that that system via uh, uh, an iPad, and so that way they know when they're getting a ride, and and they can communicate back and forth with the with the uh, uh, with with my uh, my employee, so they know when to when and where to go, and make sure that, and that system is how they know they're getting rides. <clears throat> okay, so you do give them training on the computers? Yeah, a little bit. It's it's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple program. If they can't operate that, they don't need to be driving for me. <laughs> and now, um, can you, do, uh, the, who, who, do you provide the vehicles to the drivers? Who do you think I am, Hertz? No. <laughs> no, they drive their own personal vehicles. That's, that's, that's their thing. I, I don't provide no vehicles. Uh, no, but I tell them, you know, the more you work, the more money you make. And the more money you make, the more money I make. So that's up to them. So that they, as long as they're working some each week, then they, they stay in the rotation. If they're not available, then they're not making any money from me. Um, so you did say they can communicate with the uh, dispatcher? Yes, yes, it's, uh, via, via that iPad that they've got in their car. Problems or questions they could ask the dispatcher? Sure, they can ask her anything they want except to dinner. <laughs> uh, so, uh, when did you uh, receive notice of this particular incident? Or did there come a time when you received notice of this particular incident? Well, yeah, there come a time I got sued. That lady down there at the end of the table you know, <laughs> decided to file a suit against me and my company. Oh, but was when 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 she sued that was the first you heard of it well i seem to recall that my uh, my dispatcher said something about some somebody complaining about something but she didn't really go into any detail <laughs> um, and um so um you so you never heard any you didn't know about this allergic person or anything an allergic person? Yeah, a person oh, allergic I, to the dog. Oh, well, you know. Allegedly I, allergic to the dog. Well, you know, I, I love dogs myself. I think they're, they're cute. I got two of them at home myself. I, I love dogs. My dogs are really cute, too.
Go Charles. All right. Can we have red close examination, please? Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Prentice, what was the name of your attorney? Oh, that's attorney-client privilege. Not the name. Oh, oh, the, well, he, he worked at the law firm at Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. <laughs> okay. His name was Mr. Cheatham, I think. Uh, <laughs> so um, when, when you set up the business, did you tell him that what, did you tell him that the basic purpose was to provide transportations to uh, people in, in general? Well, I didn't figure we was going to be giving rides to gorillas or nothing, but yeah, it was, I told them we was going to do a ride share thing because I figured that would make some money. And without the drivers, could you provide that service? Well, they had. I heard talk about these Google cars, but I don't think they're ready yet. So yeah, we was going to have to have some drivers. Okay. Now, do the drivers, when they first apply for the job, uh, do they have any choice about what the contract that you give them to sign says? Well, they got a choice. They can either uh, take it or leave it. <laughs> but that's the choice. They, they, they don't have to sign it. They don't have to work for me. They can go work somewhere else if they want to. Yeah. And you thought that by having them sign the contract, they would be independent contractors? Oh, they are. And did they understand that also? Absolutely. Okay. I, I, well, I don't know. I can't get inside their head. There's not enough room. Well, did you discuss what being an independent contractor meant? Yeah, I told them, you ain't working for me. You're just working for my company. You're not my employee. And they said, oh, okay, I understand. <laughs> um, now, the uh, passengers, do they pay your company or do they pay the drivers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they pay the company. No, they, they pay both. I mean, it's, it's a split. You see no, no, the, who collects the money? Well, the, the money's paid directly. The, they have to have a credit card or debit card registered with our, with our system. And so when, when they pay, part of that money goes to the company and part of it goes to the driver. But that's part of your system, then, uh, that you provide the system by which they pay. Well, yeah. Did you want me to just send them to Wells Fargo or what? Yeah, that's what that's the way it works. Uh, and do you have employees in your company? I've got a dispatcher, and then I've got a I've got a bookkeeper that shows up uh, every couple of weeks. That's about it. And yourself? Well, I'm not really an employee. I'm just the owner. No. And when when you told when Mr. Cheatham told you that the best way to set up the company was to have the drivers as independent contractors. Is that what he told you? Uh, that's attorney-client privilege, I think. I don't, I don't think he, uh, he'd want me to be telling you what he told me. You know, that's kind of a, that's a secret, you know. <laughs> well, you, did you know you could have the drivers be employees? Yeah, I've, I've, owned, I've owned businesses before, and I had employees, and that was kind of a rotten experience. Because you always had to fire people and stuff. I didn't like that. And it cost you more money, didn't it? Now you're getting personal. <laughs> yeah, it, it cost me a lot of money. That's, that's why I came up with this ride share company, because I figured I could make some more money. So you didn't have to pay, pay for unemployment taxes, Social Security, 
or other taxes that you would have had to pay for employees. Oh, you're singing my song there, Mr. Nabarete. <laughs> Absolutely. The less taxes and benefits you pay, the more money you can make. <laughs> and I love it. And at the end of the year, you would give them a 1099 form. Yeah, I think that's what the bookkeeper sent to them. I, I, I let her do all that stuff. I, I didn't fool with that. But I think that's what she did. Okay. Now, with regard to the drivers, besides signing the agreement, did you have power to discharge the drivers? Uh, didn't really discharge them. What I'd do is I would uh, suspend them. And then sometimes that suspension just kind of went on and on and on. I just suspend them. I wouldn't really fire them because I can't fire somebody that I didn't hire. So I would just suspend them from service. So that, that's Mr. Cheatham taught me that too. He said, you know, if if you don't hire them, you don't fire them. But if they're working for you, and you don't want them to be working. You just suspend them. And were there particular reasons why you would suspend the driver? Oh yeah, yeah. If they was if they was mean to somebody. I'd suspend them just right then if they if they cursed it if they cursed it a nice little old lady that wanted to ride to the grocery store they were out you know I'd just suspend them for that. And did you require them to have liability insurance for their vehicle? Absolutely, and they had to. They had, that was part. That was another thing. Is in that contract I forgot a while ago when Ms. Telker was questioning me. Uh, they had to, they had to produce proof of current. Uh, automobile liability insurance that had uh, sufficient liability amounts and they'd have to present proof to me in writing at the time of the signing of the contract and at any time uh, prior to its expiration it had to be current because I was really it was really important for them to have insurance because that kind of protect me you know what I'm saying <laughs> now um, did you inspect their vehicles before they use them in, in, in providing transportation? What do you think I am, the Department of Transportation? <laughs> no, I would, I, would make, I would go out there and look at them, make sure they're clean. I don't want people getting hauled around in nasty, stinky cars. And would the cars, would you require the drivers to put a, uh, a logo on their car indicating that they were from your company? Yeah, we, we made these beautiful, we made these beautiful stickers that they put on. And it had in real big letters RSC. That stands for Ride Share Company, LTD. And would you also require them to use a, a uh, identification badge? They don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> would you require them to dress in a certain way? Well, I didn't want them undressed, that's for sure. <laughs> Did Some of them people's not very cute, you know. You just want them to have cloak, be covered up. Uh, no, they're, they're, we didn't have a dress code. We just, you know, I just, you know, part of the contract said that they would, uh, they would maintain an appropriate appearance. And if they didn't know what appropriate was, they didn't need to sign the contract. So, have you discharged or suspended any drivers? Does a bear live in the woods? Of course, I have. <laughs> uh, have you also? given warnings to some of the drivers for doing things that you felt were inappropriate? Oh, uh, probably. I, I, I don't remember any, just right off the top of my head, but uh, I, I think so, yeah, maybe. <laughs> now, Miss Davidson said she uh, used your app to file a complaint. What was your complaint process? 
Well, see, those those things come into the dispatcher, and and she she kind of looks at them, and if they look important to to her, then she will let me know about them. And I guess if they're small enough, she just takes care of them because I I usually don't see those. She's real good, you know, my dispatcher. It's it's my it's my cousin's it's my cousin's third daughter, and, and <laughs> she's she's really good. <laughs> and a drivers can't take them out take her out though. Huh? No, no, no. My my cousin to kill me. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Um, I don't have any questions, John. M Mr. Nabrete, can I can I say one other thing? Please. I really love dogs. <laughs> w would you say that some of your best friends are dogs? <laughs> I, I I take exception to that. <laughs> no further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> now that's acting. <laughs> Do, does the plaintiff wish to uh, call any further witnesses or conduct redirect examination at this time? Can I just no. ask one question? One question on redirect. We will grant that privilege. Now, Mr. Prentice, you 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 said you really want to make money, right? Yes, yes ma'am. So you really want people to, to use your service, right? Absolutely. You the want, more the merrier. You want the public to, to, to use your service, right? Absolutely. Um, I have a further question, Your Honor. Now, besides, you know, showing them how to work the computer system, did you provide them any training on uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act? I asked them if they knew what all the laws were, and they said yes. And when you uh, when they uh, signed the contract not to discriminate um, against anyone, was there any uh, explanation of what that meant on the contract? No. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, I let Mr. Cheatham draft that contract, and and I I just deferred to him and his his wisdom as a general practicing lawyer that's done everything from A to Zinc in in forty five years of practice. And when you talked to the drivers initially, did you discuss what discrimination me meant? I asked them if they knew what it meant, and they said yes, so I figured that was good enough. No further questions. Uh, the court will exercise its prerogative to ask one further question of this witness before charging the jury. Mr. Prentice, you indicated that you have suspended drivers on one or more occasions in the past. Can you tell the court and the jury what you have suspended them for? Well, there was that one fella one time that picked up the old lady that, uh, and I, I say that old lady being kind, I think she was about 89, uh, and she wanted to go down to the, down to the grocery store and, and, and he called her an old biddy and said that she's walking too slow and that, that sh she needed to hurry up and get her groceries in his car or he's going to leave her at the store. And poor thing almost had a heart attack right there in the parking lot of the grocery. So I suspended that old boy, and he's not driven for me anymore. I don't put up with that kind of stuff. Mr. Prentice, one further question. If you were aware that one of your drivers had refused passage or carriage to an individual with a disability on account of their disability, would you feel yourself obligated or entitled to suspend that driver? Absolutely. I, as I told you, Judge, I love them dogs, and 
And I don't see any reason for, for a driver that's signed one of my contracts to not let somebody that's got a dog. Uh, that, that decision was his, and that was not a good decision on his part, and I would have suspended his tail end. So your defense then, if I understand it correctly, is that you were not aware of this situation. If you had been, you would have suspended the driver or taken other disciplinary action. Yes, sir. That was absolutely correct, sir. So your defense is ignorance? No, sir. <laughs> I would never use that defense because I, I, saw, I saw Perry Mason said that ignorance is no defense. So, I, no, I'd never claim that, no. <laughs> I don't think you have to claim it. Thank you. <laughs> 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 it, uh, it now falls to me to charge the jury. Well, uh, Your Honor, I have a, a motion. Yes, Mr. I'd Mr. like to move that the court hold, as a matter of law, not to go to the jury, that the drivers for the ride-sharing company were employees and not independent contractors. Uh, the the uh, the in facts of the case show that. The drivers were an integral part, an important, vital part of ride-sharing company business. And even though they signed independent contract agreements, they had no choice in the matter. Uh, and clearly, as Mr. Prentice said, the reason that he hired them as independent contractors was to save money. Now, the drivers are not the type of a workers who have a specific uh, uh, skill. Anyone can drive except us blind people. <laughs> and, you know, they've not provided any real training by the employer except to operate the computer system. Um, the customers contact the ride-sharing company and, uh, for rides. The ride-sharing company collects the money uh, the payment, um, the ride-sharing company maintains a computer system for doing that. Um, now, even though the drivers used their own car and didn't have any specific schedule to work, um, they were employees as held by the Santa Cruz Transportation Company versus UIAB, California, case which followed uh, the Empire Star Mines case, uh, California Supreme Court case. Now, those cases, even though they're from California, uh, pretty much follow the federal guidelines. And I think that under these circumstances that the court can rule that the drivers were employees. Thank you, counsel. I'll hear defense counsel in opposition. Your Honor, I would argue that the drivers were employees they made their own decisions as to when to work, and they obviously had a lot of discretion in uh, deciding, you know, who they would take. Um, they they maintained their own schedules. They um, they uh, uh, had maintained their own vehicles, and they had to pay all their expenses for the. Um, upkeep of the vehicles and gas and all that kind of thing. Um, and they, um, they could leave whenever they wanted to. Um, and um, they, they uh, were not paid, they were not uh, paid by, uh, they had a, they received no benefits 
uh, they were not, they, they uh, um, did not receive a W-2, or well, they, they didn't, um, they had to file their own taxes, take, um, nothing was taken out for Social Security or anything like that. And um, I'd like to, um, there are numerous criteria to decide whether a person is an employee or an independent contractor, and those decisions are made on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, and so I would argue that they were employee, that they were uh, independent contractors. Does defense counsel further argue that because they were independent contractors, RSC collectively, co corporately, and Mr. Prentice individually are, as a matter of law, not liable? Yes, certainly. Thank you. Having, having duly heard the arguments and considered uh, the evidence and the precedents in this matter, the court will now rule on this motion as follows. The issue is a matter of what is called first impression in this jurisdiction, meaning it has not been decided before. The court will rule based on the evidence uh, that the drivers can be considered employees for purposes of this case. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> however, 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 the court will further point out that even were the drivers to be considered independent contractors, that would not necessarily obviate liability if the facts establish liability. Now, we're going to charge the jury. And uh, we, what this means is we're going to explain to the jury what the standards of law are that they must apply to the facts and what findings they must make to determine either that the plaintiff should prevail or that the defendant should prevail. Uh, and uh, this is called the charge to the jury. We have here today endeavored to give you a little education and a lot of fun, but you do have, but you do have a solemn and serious duty to perform and we know you will perform it fairly and open-mindedly despite the emotional, uh, the emotional uh, uh, feelings that you bring to bear in this case. You have to decide whether or not the individual who used the guide dog, plaintiff David Davidson, uh, was a person with a disability covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act. No argument has been made that she was not, and there's no possible basis for concluding that she was not. So we will hold as a matter of law that Ms. Davidson is covered by the law. You further have to decide whether or not she was discriminated against by virtue of the uh, ride-sharing companies or the ride-sharing company's contractor or employee, as the case may be, refusal to carry her service animal. There again, uh, since there is no argument that the service animal was a service animal, that her dog was a guide dog performing services, there is no basis upon which you could decide that the dog was not a service animal and was not entitled to carriage. You further have to decide whether she was discriminated against, that is, whether she was denied carriage and if so, whether that denial of carriage was based upon her use of a service animal. If you decide that she was, then you have to go on to the further decision as to whether or not there is any grounds to justify the denial of the carriage. And here, I am going to hold as a matter of law that uh, there probably was not, although there is a question of fact that you will have to decide. Uh, there is no evidence been presented uh, as to the existence uh, of, the of the allergy of the, of the alleged other passenger and any statements to that effect are what is known as hearsay, meaning this. They can't be cross-examined because the passenger is not here and because no one actually talked to the passenger. So we would have, at best, only the driver's word for it, which is third-hand, and that would uh, not be admissible evidence under, uh, under the facts of this case. Uh, sec second of all, uh, uh, you have to decide then, is there any defense at all that would be available? Mr. Prentice, the defendant, has offered uh, no defense except the argument that because he believes his drivers to be independent contractors, he is not liable for their activities. 
Since we have held as a matter of law that they are employees, you must then go on to further decide whether or not as employees uh, he is liable for their activities, uh, whether under an agency theory or what's called the master-servant doctrine or otherwise. If you find that he is responsible and legally liable for any discrimination and that discrimination occurred and that no defense or justification legally cognizable for discrimination has occurred, then you will have to find in favor of the plaintiff. If you find to the contrary on any of those points, then you may find for the defendant. We're going to ask you to take 10 minutes to deliberate and then we're going to call upon you to vote and then afterwards we're hopefully going to discuss this case, some of the issues, some of the ramifications and hopefully, if you're interested, some of the legal technicalities and we thank you again and in advance for your service. How can you say that? Yeah. <laughs> you can ask the court. Discuss the discussion. You may question the court if there's an issue of law or fact that you're not certain about. You may ask the court for clarification. If you ask the court for clarification on that issue, uh, it's already been ruled that there is no evidence uh, of the allergy, and therefore whether it is a viable or permissible defense is not uh, an issue in this case. Hey, wait, you're supposed to love dogs. Hold on. Hold on, go ahead, ma'am. Okay, who wants to take the mic? Or just speak up. We'll repeat the question. Ma'am, let's have the lady first. Question of the gentleman in the back. If public transportation is only being defined as stuff that's available to the public, then it would make sense that she should have access to it. But if public transportation in this case is being defined as things that are provided to the public, like that are government run, then this would be a private business. and. They wouldn't be obligated under the defense, under the prosecution's definition of what the ADA would be responsible for, which is to provide access to public transportation. But if we're not defining this business as a public business because it is a private company, then they wouldn't be obligated to provide the transportation. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the defense has not raised an argument that it is not uh, covered by the ADA. The defense argument is that it did not violate the ADA, not that it is not covered by the ADA. So that question, again, is not really germane to this case. More broadly speaking, the term public accommodation or public transportation has created some confusion because when we speak of public in the context of the ADA, we are talking about private as, for example, in the term public accommodations, which actually refers not to government as the norm term public normally does, but to private entities covered under Title III of the ADA. Uh, Your Honor, I have, I have two questions. Um, 
where is the contract, the actual document that was signed, and why is the driver not here? That, that is a question to pose to defense counsel. He's out picking now up the, customers. Now, the broader, the broader question you're asking is whether you as jurors can take the absence of that contract or the absence of the driver into account in weighing the evidence. Uh, and but the, but the, but the key question you're asking, though, is whether or not those absences can be taken into account by you in your deliberations. And the, and the answer in this case is no. No one should be forced to argue a case or present evidence in a way different from the way they want to. So you cannot take the absence of the contract uh, or the absence of the driver as evidence one way or the other. You could take it into consideration in other ways in evaluating the credibility of the defense, but you cannot regard it as evidence in its own right. Your Honor, in the district of AB, uh, ACB and under the ADA, is the, pro uh, is the plaintiff responsible for proving actual damages or does the damages that they claim amount to a cause of action? The plaintiff is required to prove actual damages, but those damages need not be of a specific sort. They need not be medical. They need not be financial. And the term damages is usually used in a financial sense. They need not be financial. Uh, damages can be psychological. Uh, damages can be professional. Damages can take any form. So you have to decide uh, whether or not the plaintiff has credibly argued, dam uh, argued damages. Uh, it is not absolutely necessary that damages be proved in order to show an ADA violation but uh, you would want, or may wish anyway, to consider the question of damages in regard to your assessment of whether a violation occurred and whether it's serious enough to warrant, to warrant a verdict in the, in the plaintiff's favor. Your Honor, can we take cognizance of the fact that Congress never does anything anyway, so missing the meeting wouldn't matter? <laughs> I like that, Bill. Uh, I w uh, the court will take judicial notice of the fact that Congress has in many respects fallen short of the aspirations that we the citizens have for it. But, but we do not understand the relevance of that finding to this case. Here, here. I, I wonder if this, if this plaintiff uh, exhausted other recourses. I mean, she, she could be an ambulance chaser. I mean, I wonder if she tried structured negotiations, for instance. Uh, uh, two, uh, two, two questions. Uh, two questions here. First of all, there is a doctrine in law, the questioner is quite right, called exhaustion of administrative remedies. However, there's no exhaustion of administrative remedies requirement applicable to the ADA. Also, if there is any question of the plaintiff being less than sincere uh, or, or, or less than honorably motivated, that would be for the defense to bring out on cross-examination or otherwise. Since the defense has made no such argument or contention, there is no basis for the jury to speculate along those lines. Yeah, you see all these god dogs out here? You think we're gonna bring that up? You crazy? <laughs> we wanna get out of here alive. Court, the, the, the court, the court will, will allow slight deviations from standard procedure in view of the extremely uh, sensitive and public interest nature of this case, but only very slight. Oh, sorry. There we go. The court has ruled that there's no evidence of the allergy, and we haven't had that, but the plaintiff admitted that there was someone else in the cab. So there was no evidence of the allergy, but 
there was evidence of the other passenger in so, in her testimony when so, Mr. Um, Navarrete asked her, "Did your assistant? Do you know if your assistant saw the passenger?" And she said, "Not initially." So, what is the question? Are, are we are we to consider the fact that we can we can um, admit that there was a passenger there, but we don't necessarily have evidence of the out. But we can't. But as a matter of law, uh, we can't consider evidence of the allergy because the the passenger did not testify. Well, there 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 is no evidence of the allergy, partly because I, I said as as I explained before, you can't compel a party to argue a case in a way different than the way it wants to argue it. Okay. But on the other hand, it is also true that the party who is best in a position to present evidence of something should do so. And if they don't do so, then you can't assume that they would have done so Correct. or they would have done so successfully. If there was an, al an allergy issue with the other passenger, leaving aside for the moment the question of whether that is of any legal significance, if there was such a question, it would have been appropriate, and I assume fairly simple, for, uh, for the defense who is in a better position to do so to call that uh, person as a witness. The defense, for whatever reason, and I assume it's a good reason, since the defense counsel is very skilled and experienced, that this was not done. We're going to have to take one last question and then ask the jury to render its verdict. Joanna, my question is simply this. If the, the guide dog's um, hygiene uh, was not up to par, would that driver have the right to deny transporting? Yeah, they, they might, but that, uh, hygiene or behavior. But again, that was not placed in evidence as an issue by the defense. It could have been, I suppose, but it wasn't. That was their strategic decision, and they're bound by their strategic decision. The answer to your question, in theory, is yes, but that's not before us in this case. We're going to call upon the jury to vote now. I think uh, we'll ask for a, a roll call vote. We won't. And apparently, they just disregarded the complaint. Yeah. Well, again, though, whether it would have made a difference uh, is speculative because they didn't do it. And you didn't even raise it as a defense in this case for your good strategic reasons, whatever they were. So we're going to ask the jury now. We're going to do a, a roll call vote. All those who believe that ride-sharing company and Mr. Prentice should be found guilty of violating the ADA, please say guilty. guilty. All those who believe... All, all those who believe that Mr. Prentice and ride-sharing company should be found innocent of violating the IDADA say not guilty. Not, not guilty. Oh, my. <laughs> based on it's the my cousins back there. <laughs> based, on, based on the jury's verdict, the court uh, finds for the plaintiff. Uh, the question of remedies will be addressed uh, next week in a further hearing. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Really liked it.